Hey, one more thing before you go. In this episode, we share the journey of a woman who lost her aunt and through it all inspired a legacy. We're going to learn more about that loss, the process she went through for moving forward in life in a very positive way, and the importance of living a legacy. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and this is The Thing About How Death Makes Us Realize Life. My guest in this episode is Bridget Eileen, Bridget Eileen Cisco. She's an entrepreneur with, she's a podcast host, a coach for sales and marketing and public speaking, and a Kundalini yoga teacher. Bridget's overall vision is to disrupt the anxiety-provoking fear-based media stories we are familiar with by broadcasting global messages of empowerment, and she has a passion to share her knowledge, experience, and positivity with the world. Welcome to the show, Bridget. Thank you, Michael. That was a beautiful introduction. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I stumbled on my words a second there. <laughs> it happened to me too. Not enough tea this morning. Uh, so it's, it's kind of, I like to get to know everybody that, that we're having a conversation with. So uh, where'd you grow up? I grew up in New Jersey. Um, I actually still live in New Jersey, only about 15 minutes from the town I grew up in. I'm a little bit outside of New York City. And it just so happens that my husband and I both grew up in the same town. Outstanding. That's amazing. You're the third person I've talked to from New Jersey. Really? It must be a popular place. I had two interviews in the last three days, and both of them were, two of those interviews um, were from New Jersey. Uh, so I have a, a beautiful family, and I have mom, a dad, brother, and sister. I'm the oldest of the three of us. And growing up, I had a very beautiful life. Uh, everything was always provided. My dad is a entrepreneur, which is where I get my visionary um, background. He's had a wealth management business for the last 30 years. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, but also did some network marketing um, and was an accountant before she had me a brother and a sister. And each of us are very, very unique. And I'm very grateful that my parents invited us all to explore our passions. Um, my sister is a Broadway theater musical singer. Um, my brother works at Google. And I'm the entrepreneur, spiritual visionary of it all. So I'm very grateful for my parents just allowing and inviting my brother and sister and I to just do what it was that we liked what we enjoyed and just allowing ourselves to explore the world that we had in front of us. It's an amazing diversity and very unique because a lot of families don't do that. They try to guide their kids in the way they feel they need to grow up. So that's outstanding, actually. Did you go to university? I did. I went to Rutgers University. I studied digital marketing communications and my first job was in sales. So I was doing cold calling phone sales which at the time was not very fun for me. I'm very much a relationship people type of person. And for me, cold calling just wasn't, wasn't the thing. But honestly, looking back, it gave me so much confidence to put myself out there, understanding of business, sales, marketing, um, ideal client, speaking, business, everything. So I'm very grateful for the experience. But I will say in the moment, it was not too beautiful for me. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think especially cold. Well, there's a stigma, I think, in regard to even cold sales of any type. When you get somebody on the phone, it just kind of, people kind of start to shut down, I think, a little bit before you can open them up. But you've obviously evolved into a very personable 
profession at the moment because you get you're right there. It it is nothing. It is personal. It it is a a journey through each person's life, and you help them experience that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I was working for a company called Yelp, which had incredible company culture, very uh, future oriented in terms of culture and what the office wanted to be like and interaction. So it did have that going for it. And I will say that based on that experience, it did allow me to see what I wanted in if I were ever to work for someone again, which I haven't. Um, but if I were to create my own, I wanted it to be a, a business where relationships were at the highest, highest point of it. And I'm very grateful to say that is really what I get to do each and every day, foster, communicate, cultivate relationships with really incredible people. Yeah, that's pretty cool. How long, how long have you, uh, how long have you owned your business? How long have you started it? So after I quit my job in New York City, I traveled to Europe. I became a yoga teacher. I studied yoga and Ayurveda at a school in Ibiza. I came home and I began teaching yoga. And then I became a holistic health coach. Uh, we kind of jumped over this part of the story, but I will say it because it really paves way for my bigger vision. Um, when I was 15, I was dealing with a lot of health challenges from Lyme disease. So I had parasites, pneumonia, a lot of challenges with my immune system and you know, put on various rounds of antibiotics, wasn't working, wasn't helping. So you had this 15-year-old who was frustrated, annoyed, confused, sick of doing all of the treatments that I had been told. And I started to just do my own research. I started to look into holistic healing. I started to look into Ayurveda. I started to look into yoga and practicing and breath work and all these things that have guided not only my own life, but I've been able to then you know, guide others in that facet. So I became a yoga teacher and I wanted to study Ayurveda because it was so healing for me. And I'm not, are you familiar with Ayurveda? I, I, I'm, I was going to ask you what exactly is, I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of other forms of alternative health in meditation and yoga practices as well as Tai Chi and Qigong. Uh -huh. That's the first time I've heard of that. Oh, okay. So it's the sister science of yoga and you can think of yoga as the practice to evolve one's consciousness. And you can think of Ayurveda as clearing the physical vessel cleansing the physical vessel so that you can reach higher stages of consciousness. Oh, so mind-body healing, um, and it looks at us as individuals, which I love. You know, it teaches us we are all unique. Well, you know, and I agree with that. I mean, I, I respect that because um, I, I, as my listeners understand, I'm a very naturopathic, a holistic practitioner. And I look at mind, body, soul, the connection, and that's how I manage my health because I have an autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. I have severe rheumatoid arthritis, and I've been through seven operations, and um, I, I practice that. I have not practiced Ayurveda, so we may have to talk later in regard to that because it, it may take me the next level that uh, I've been looking for. It's such a beautiful system and path. And what I always appreciated was it just made sense. It just made sense. It looks at the elements in nature and shows us how we are too made up of those elements. Some of us are a little bit more fiery. Some of us are a little bit more airy. Some of us are more grounded. And this kind of um, guides our personality. It guides the foods that we eat. It guides our relationships. It guides our movement. It guides everything. So when I was dealing with Lyme disease, to find this path that was very 
uh, open-ended and about the individual, I was like, wow, this makes sense. This makes sense. That's pretty crazy. I may have been practicing that without realizing it, actually. <laughs> I use my diet to manage my health. I use meditation. I use the Tai Chi. I use the balance of mind, body, and soul um, to help manage and drive my life every day when I get out of bed and when I go to bed. And even when I'm sleeping, it's like, okay, this is what I need to do before I go to sleep. And this is what I want to kind of focus on when I dream. And then when I wake up, this is what I'm trying to do. And then and then I move my life forward. And that's pretty cool. I, you just kind of validated something for me that, again, I may have been practicing it without even realizing. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you already have the um, language around it. You just don't have the whole system. Like this might be everything you've ever learned and just a, a system that can help you understand it on a more deeper level. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I believe in nature. I, we go out every morning. We can even waste sidetrack. I, I go, we go out every morning and we've created an oasis in the backyard. And basically we go out and we meditate and we relax and we listen to the birds and we talk to the birds and the trees and the bushes. And, you know, we thank the bees and the hummingbirds that come and put on their face and say hi and these kind of things and kind of connect with Mother Nature and the universe and then start our day. Yeah. It's, so it's pretty cool. It's, it's cool. Yeah. So you're married and you have a fur baby. I do. I do have a fur baby named Finn. He's adorable. Fur, and you, is that like a, it's a collie, right? Yes. I haven't had a collie since I was a kid, but my wife's favorite dog is a collie. Other than, well, Charlie, Charlie doesn't get jealous. I have to say Charlie's her favorite dog. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the next part of your journey. Um, now, I know that you you wanted to move into entrepreneurship after you left your main job. And within that aspect of it, um, you, you traveled Europe and you learned what you learned. Did that focus you on wanting to share that with other people hmm. and, and as the foundation of your business? It did. And I always think of it like it was the, it was planting the seed for more. But what I notice is like, once we step foot in the door, so many other doors open. And as I continued down that path, so I started teaching yoga, I became a holistic health coach, and I was mainly working with women who wanted to really understand their purpose and understand their gifts. Through that avenue, we started to realize all of them wanted to quit their jobs, all of them wanted to start a business. And it just naturally evolved from there. And then where everything really became extremely clear was when I was diagnosed with Lyme disease, I felt like the doctors weren't listening. I felt like they weren't hearing me when I was saying, you know, this is all connected. I've been put on all these antibiotics. There's something, you know, that you're not seeing here. And it was that situation that gave me the, the mission to share voices. So like my mission in this lifetime is to share the stories that aren't being shared, to change the world one voice at a time, very similar to your mission. And I've been able to start the podcast. I've been able to start the publishing company. I've been able to start the um, coaching company where I do that in so many right. different ways. And it's just, I'm so grateful that I'm at this space to look back and with such gratitude of the past experiences. Yeah, that's amazing. That, And I think we'll break down each one, uh, each one of those aspects of that company, if you don't mind. I think it, but before we do that, Ali, can we, can we, Talk about you lost your aunt, right? Yeah, this is how you and I connected. I was really drawn into 
the topic of this podcast. Um, when my aunt passed away, this was in August of this past year, and she was one of my greatest fans, one of the most brightest lights um, that I have seen in the world. Very positive, a nurse, a, a helper, a healer, a very spiritual woman. And when she passed, I hadn't really ever danced with death. I hadn't really ever had many deaths so close to me um, and so personal. And after that, reflecting on it, I started to have these thoughts that came to me and it was, it's in death that we understand life. It's in this polarity of loss that we understand life and love. And I began to dance with, with death, as I like to say it in death is one of the most beautiful experiences, albeit so challenging and so hard and there's grief and there's so many emotions tied to it. But in that, I started to think about death and then I started to think about life and I will never forget being at her her wake, I think it was her wake, and just listening to what people were saying about her and her legacy and what she left with people. And it was such beautiful words. It was such beautiful messages. It was, you know, she helped me in so many ways. And I just thought, what if more of us can focus on this legacy that we're here to leave beyond the time that we have here because we don't know. We don't know when we'll go. But we, go in an instant. we don't know, but we know that we can, we have the ability to do something right now with where we're at right now, with what we have, with who we are, with our experiences right. to leave something behind, to leave an imprint on this wor world that supersedes our, our existence. That's profound. Um, did you lose her? Was it expected or was it sudden? It was very sudden. Very sudden. So you didn't get the opportunity to kind of really, you know, kind of understand it from a slow perspective. It, it, I mean, that might be the incorrect word, but you know, when some, when you know somebody's sick, for example, you and you get more time because you understand the process and what's happening and why they're dying. Unexpected is, is a shock to the system, and, right. and it kind of wakes you up a little bit. Like, wow, it can happen in in an instant. And it kind of changes perspective on things. But in this particular case, you you gained perspective with regard to understanding that. Yeah, and it's it's also interesting because on a personal note, I, I started seeing a therapist after that because I just wanted to speak to someone who was unbiased, who didn't know me, who didn't know my family. And it started to become very clear that I wanted to, as an entrepreneur and someone who had a business, I wanted to start using my voice to speak about these topics, mm -hmm. to start talking about things that just not everyone talks about. Like We don't really talk about death. We don't really talk about all of our emotions. We don't really talk about these things, but death is inevitable. Death is you know, one of the only constants in life, and it's one of the only things that we don't want to talk about, we don't want to think about. Especially in this country. In America, death seems to be a taboo subject. Mm -hmm. And I think whether or not people just want to ignore the fact that we're going to die or don't want to uh, realize that we have the aspect of dying or if they're running away from the possibility of dying. I know that the uh, other countries and other religions, other philosophies, they have a conversation with death. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and you understand that because you're dancing, you, so you said you're dancing with death. I resonated with that. It's, you know, it's, you either have to dance with death or you have to have a conversation with death to better understand death. Um, I, you know, it's just a side note. I took 
when my stepfather was passing, uh, I lost my father like I said, when I was 39 years old, mm-hmm. but uh, I had a stepfather that was, you know, you don't have to be blood to be family. This man was my stepfather for 25 years, longer than my father had been my father. And he got cancer. So it was a process and we followed that process. But when my kids were young, his grandkids, who he treated like blood grandkids, there was no, there was no line there. It wasn't a blurred line. Um, you know, I brought them in when he was passing so that they had a better understanding of that process. And, you know, my wife had never experienced that either. So it was a new thing for her as well. And, you know, for a long time, she talked afterwards. She's just, I don't know if that was the right thing to do, you know, to bring the kids in. I said, yeah, but you have to understand death. You have to understand why and what happens. And the fact that like Burl was in pain and Burr was suffering. And to this, from this aspect, that death was a release of that pain and that suffering and that anguish and what he was going through at the time. So my kids have thanked me for it since then because they've lost people, friends of theirs, and they've had a better understanding of that loss. So I, I agree with you. We need to have that dance with death. We need to have that talk with death. And in in America, we need to stop making it taboo and we need to start facing it head on, I think. Yeah, and I think even on a... What is the purpose of life, right? So we start to like ask deeper questions, I think, when we're, when we're close to death or when we see people who pass. I don't know if this was just innate for me, but I've always felt like I wanted to live a life where I was happy, I was joyful, I was living not for someone else, not for societal standards. I always wanted to live and enjoy. And I've always questioned some societal norms around how we how we live in this world, how many hours we spend working, how many hours we spend uh, not taking care of ourselves, not putting good food into our body, not having conversations that support and uplift us, watching things that don't support and uplift us. And for me, her passing was also another invitation to to ask myself, what do I value? You know, what do I want my life to look like? And you don't need death to ask yourself those questions, but it it can allow us to go into that conversation with ourselves. Yeah, life gets caught up in, especially here, life gets caught up. And I think that a reflection of last year, everybody says, oh, we're going to get back to normal, get back to normal, get back to normal. But in reality, a new normal came out of last year. People took more time together. People took more time to be at home and reflect of what the possibility was and what they understood all these people that got to work at home. It all now understood that it, life isn't about going to work and commuting for an hour and frustrating traffic each way and dealing with the smog and the horns and the loud noise and the the frustration and the anger of driving to work and then working all day in the, this office environment that closed us in and and, you know, everybody else was angry and all that negativity was encompassed in a little room or a building and then getting back in the car and getting frustrated at everybody racing home. And they went, hey, I can stop and take a breath and I really like this. And, and some people have started changing that. Some companies actually have started changing that and said, hey, we understand that created a better employee. Mm. It created a better person. And, and we, they they at least took the opportunity to make it more human and to allow them to enjoy life a little bit. 
you know, Europe's got it. Europe's, you know, they take holidays all the time. You know, Italy, I, I, we have Italian relatives. You know, they would never think of a 30-minute lunch. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like 30 minutes for lunch. This is, no. No, you got to relax. you got to enjoy. you got to laugh, love, eat. <laughs> I remember when I was at my yoga teacher training, and I was the only American uh, in a group of Europeans in Ibiza, and they were all talking about their six-week vacations. And I'm sitting there like, what is going on in America? Why, why do we just not have that space for ourselves? You know, what is the point of working ourselves to death? And right, that's what happens. That's what happens to a lot of people. They don't get to experience life because they've just been working. Oh, yeah. And they, they in here, it sounds like we're trashing America. We're not. No, we love America. America. <laughs> <laughs> we're trashing the lifestyle and the, yeah, the bad practices. <laughs> The we're actually not trashing. We're evaluating. Mm-hmm. We're evaluating. Yeah, it's it's interesting because when you when you in this life, and I learned that because my life changed in an instant, not from death, but in a sense, death because I lost a career that I was really involved in. But it also took a chance for me to pause and to rethink and reevaluate and process where I wanted to be and how I wanted to do it in that time period. And and I think that's where I changed my legacy. When I thought my legacy was going to be, uh, you know, like for all my other colleagues and my friends, that either worked with me, beside me, or under me when I was a sergeant, uh, went on to be commanders and chiefs and assistant chiefs and, you know, um, on up the ladder. And... I didn't. I, I stopped at sergeant. My legacy, I thought, was going to be, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep going on my career. I was going to take a lieutenant's test. I was studying for it before I get injured and, and forced to retire. Um, I I was a father. I still and I was. I still am a father, you know, a, a, a husband. And and it it kind of re, it changed my life in an instant because I no longer was a cop. That was my that was me. You know, when you're a police officer, and this may sound egotistical, but when you're a cop, that's who you are. It takes a certain person to be a police officer. It takes a certain person to be a firefighter. It takes a certain person to be a doctor. That's who you are. But sometimes we become so encompassed in that in that lifestyle that it takes over the rest of your life, and you forget to stop and take a breath. So, you know, I agree with what you're saying. It it you need to stop and take a breath because you have to evaluate what you really want to be. My priorities now are to leave a legacy for my children to understand what to do better for other people within this world and that you can pass on and pay it forward in a good way. And, and my kids love me for it. They said, you were a good father. You are still a good father. And we love what you do and we appreciate what you do. So that's my legacy. I, I've created that. And I think that you know, and, and I kind of jumped ahead a little bit here, but I, I think that's what's important. And, I, and, and do you agree that we as individuals should, do you think everybody needs to leave a legacy? Let me ask you that question. I think that word can sound big. Uh, that concept can sound big. And I think if we really break it down, 
I believe a mother leaves a legacy. I believe a father leaves a legacy. I believe an employee leaves a legacy if they choose to see it that way. You know, some of us are here to be public speakers and have podcasts like this, and that's how we choose to leave our legacy. And there are people who choose to work at the supermarket and just be nice to people. So I believe that everyone has a legacy. And maybe that word sounds daunting because it feels really big and it feels really beyond us, which it is. But I believe that we all do have a legacy, whether we realize it fully or not. I, I agree with that. You said legacy is a big word. Let's define legacy. How do you define legacy? Hmm. I define legacy as really what we're here to leave behind what we pass down for generations to come. And I think the values that we want to live on when we are no longer here. I think that's an excellent definition of legacy. Thank you. I think our legacy is exactly what you said. Um, and, you know, and each person, like you said, does not need the, the there's no burden in that. You can you can choose your own legacy, whatever it happens to be. I think you can take your time. Now, in, in evaluating that, um, your aunt, um, is that the motivation for your book, Legacies? Yeah, the book Legacy Speaks, I always say it was birthed out of thoughts of death. So her passing reminded me of what I wanted to do in the world. And it was to share stories. It was to share stories that mattered. So the book Legacy Speaks is a collection of 25 women's stories who dealt with sexual trauma, death, um, health issues, uh, miscarriages, um, postpartum depression. You know, So we went to the depths of everything. We had the polarizing experience, but it also reminded us that we aren't defined by our experience. We're defined by what we choose to see in the experience, the joy, the challenge, the beauty, the depth, the grief, all of it. And all the women, all the women who were part of this project agreed and were ready to stand tall and stand proud for their experience and what they're here to leave with the world. That's amazing. Ed, now, had you always wanted to be an author? No, no. So I actually didn't write in this book. I simply brought everyone together. So everyone wrote a specific chapter of this book. So it's like an... You're like the editor. Mm -hmm. It was an anthology of stories. Um, mm -hmm. And it's funny because I've never had the dream of being the author. My goals have always been speaking. It's always been speaking. But I have a gift of community and bringing people together. So, and this really goes with my overall mission of sharing stories. So, oh, beautiful experience. I did not write in this book. I will write in the second book, which is also a multi-author book. It's going to have multiple people in it. And we're going to keep sharing these stories. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's our journey in life. That That's our legacy. I say our because that's what I share is personal stories, just like, just like you. And it's, it makes me feel good in order to share somebody's story and let them have a voice. We have a lot in common. Yeah. In that I regard. Feel that. So the exalted publishing did that. 
did that was that part of your business plan in the beginning, or is that something that evolved when you got published this book? That was not the plan in the beginning. <laughs> that was not the plan in the beginning. Uh, again, like when we are given these opportunities, the doorways just seem to open. So last year, last May, I was part of a multi-author book project like this, where I wrote a chapter in a book called Awakening, Meet the Women Birthing a New Earth. I wrote a chapter on sovereignty, which is very aligned with everything that I do. And through that experience, I was so I was so deeply impacted in doing it as a community right. of coming together, of collaboration in this way, and then sharing the stories on top of it, that it planted a seed within me that said, wow, this is a really beautiful idea. So come August, when my aunt passed away, I went through a lot of business changes of what am I here to do? You know, what is going on? Question, questioning everything, as many of us do when we go through these cycles of contraction and expansion. And then in November, I decided to start this. I started talking about it. I started planting the seed that I was going to be sharing the story. I was going to be um, collecting, not collecting, um, connecting women across all the entire world who wanted us to share their story in a book like this. And it really has just beautifully, beautifully progressed. It is the perfect add-on to my overall vision and mission, which is sharing stories. Uh, you And uh, you said something very unique there. You collected these stories from all over the world, not just in America. You've, you've been able to connect across the, across the world. Which, I mean, that's got to make you feel really, really good, actually. Because yeah, it's well, I am. I'm, sh I'm sure there, and, and I, I know this from some of my my interviews and my um, my journey through those that you know a lot of these stories have intertwine, even though they're from different countries, but they always have a different perspective of them because of the way they're handled in that country. Yes, and it's something I've thought about a lot is, you know, we all signed up at this time in history and humanity to be on this giant floating planet in the middle of space together. You know, we have these countries that are, that give us this illusion of separation. But when you think about the stories and our emotions and our experiences in the world and our, our true desires, which are to feel wanted, loved, respected, um, honored, we're not any different. We're not any different beyond the illusion that we are given by society or whoever you want to say, you know, right. puts these walls up. Well, we all want, exactly. We all want that. We all want to be educated. We all want, yeah, we're all, we all seek the same things. I agree. We seek love and compassion and humanity and we desire to laugh and to cry and to have our own thoughts and to speak our own thoughts and well, speak what we think, I guess. It might not be the right way. <laughs> I told you I didn't have enough tea. I'm still trying to drink it. <laughs> it's so funny. I love that you bring the human experience onto your show because I was doing a podcast once that was talking about how I help people with public speaking, and I was struggling to even introduce myself that day. So it was just one of those things. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Friday. See, it's Friday. It's it's this is actually this is my five, six, seven, eighth, ninth, ninth interview this week. That is incredible. Wow. Thank so we'll you, say my, my mouth is tired. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, in, in essence, you helped 
these individuals that help with the book, for example, both books actually that you that you, the one you you've done and then the one that you contributed to, and then you're writing another one, correct? And that you're contributing to or writing it? No, again, same thing. I'm the same publisher, collection. so I gather them. I am going to write a chapter in this one, though. Within this one. So in regard to those, uh, obviously, you're allowing those individuals to leave a legacy of their own, so to speak, because they're giving them a chance to tell their story and to kind of kind of leave their mark in the world. And the, the mark is written, so once it's written, it's there forever. Yeah, and because I use social media as a way to connect with people as a way to facilitate my programs. Another thought that came to me in the last year is this is fleeting. Social media is fleeting. I don't own my Facebook page. I don't own my Instagram, but you know what? I do own my words. So when we have our stories that are being shared, I like to say sharing your story, both written and spoken, you know, in books, on podcasts, that's not going anywhere. And if we are people that have a message to share, I believe it's part of our duty to like step up on these bigger platforms and share, especially if it's here to help humanity, uh, help us heal, help us grow, help us realize that separation and division is an illusion. And we are all love. We have come here together to love and to realize our interconnectedness. Yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. What's your spiritual aspect on all this? How does that play into this? I see the voice as a vessel to shift consciousness. I believe that our voices and our stories actually, and our businesses have the ability to shift consciousness because what we consume and what we perceive around us is our reality. So if we're able to be sharing stories of empowerment, of hope, of inspiration, like you and I do, we can shift the collective consciousness instead of fear-based stories, right? I don't watch the news. Fear-based stories, um, stories that are disempowering, stories that aren't there for our highest and best. And instead, we can shift it to, if you have a message to share that can help someone realize that they are strong, share it. That's the spiritual aspect. It's we are channels for a message that's here to help humanity. I agree. Um, We're all connected as one big universe. How do you feel about life after death? Mm. You know, to be honest, some days I feel absolutely there is something. And some days I'm like, I don't know what I, I don't know. I don't know. But the visionary, the dreamer in me does believe that there is something beyond this life. I do believe that the soul continues on or the spirit continues on. I do believe in reincarnation um, and us coming back in different forms. But I will say sometimes when we are in moments of grief or confusion or just frustration, sometimes I question it. And I want to share that too, because I know that I'm not the only person who's like, yeah, I don't know. How do you think, I mean, well, I think you just kind of said it. Um, I was going to ask you, how do you feel that other people can leave a legacy? Mm-hmm. How can we help other people leave a, leave a legacy? Hmm. I'll come back to the eight limb path of yoga, the niyamas and the yamas, you know, being a good human, doing good to others, taking care of ourselves. I think if we can start with ourselves, if we can take care of ourselves, we will perceive the world in a different way, which would then allow us to be kinder to others, to see the beauty in, in all. And, you know, even to see the beauty in the challenge and the people who frustrate us, because those are the teachers. 
those are the teachers. So I would say that everyone can leave a legacy and I, I would invite us all to come back to ourselves first. That's interesting. Speaking of yoga, can you help me understand what Kundalini yoga is? Help yeah. us understand that. <laughs> yeah. So there are many different types of yoga, vinyasa yoga, yin yoga, hatha yoga, um, Bikram yoga. Kundalini is just another type of yoga. And Kundalini is the yoga of awareness, which connects us back into the the truth within us. So this is this dormant energy, this Kundalini within us all. Kundalini just means energy. So through practices of movement, of meditation, of mantra, of breath, of mudra, we're basically able to activate this dormant potential within that reminds us of our truth, that reminds us who we really are. It is a little bit of a weird yoga. If you look at it on the outside, there's a lot of chanting, there's a lot of arm movements and weird things, but it is highly activating and quick. Well, yeah, we need movement in life. People are too sedentary, I think. they are. You need to move around, so it might be a good thing to do. How does that practice help your mental and physical health? Mm. Oh, boy. So I uh, I love exercising. I have always been an athlete, run half marathons, and my husband and I love doing Spartan races, which are these obstacle course races up mountains. So as part of my training for those races, I do a lot of kundalini breath work so that I'm able to basically handle and readjust to higher altitudes as we are running up these mountains. So there's part of the physical practice for me, and then there's the mental practice. And one thing I love about kundalini is uh, it allows me to tap into timelessness and sitting in the future vision, the future vision I have for myself as if it's right now. So uh, you probably do this too, but I spend a lot of time, you know, inhaling, holding my breath, feeling the wish fulfilled, feeling as it already is, and then experiencing it in real life. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's interesting. I I do do that. Um, Does that compare to um, what they call Wim Wim Hof breathing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Wim Hof is another type of breath work. I practice that as well. My husband actually teaches Wim Hof. Breathwork. Oh, very cool. My daughter should just get me into that, actually. I've been practicing that for the last five, what month is this? Since January. <laughs> <laughs> Losing track of months here. I hear you. It's uh, So yeah, since January, when they come out here the first week in January, my daughter, my oldest daughter taught me that, and uh, I've been practicing. You wouldn't know it by my talking. I have been practicing it since January, and it's actually helped me, uh, especially through my surgeries and things. It helped me through that as well because, you know, they have you on these breathing machines when you come out of a surgery, and instead of using the breathing machines, I found that more effective. <laughs> the women well, breathing. That's great. It was pretty cool, actually. Um, you are a coach, and you help successful entrepreneurs do what? I help them rock the mic, as I like to say. So I help them be podcast ready. I help them be keynote ready. I help them prepare themselves to share their message so that they can really tune into their story and weave it into what they're here to share with the world business-wise. And in that respect, you have a mission for them. How how do you implement that mission? Hmm. How do I implement that mission? My mission is to really amplify powerful voices. So I'm here to amplify one voice at a time, one moment at a time, one person at a time. And I really do believe in this collective uprising of us using our voices. I really, really do. I I truly believe that 
that this will shift humanity if we can speak about things that matter and empower others to remember how powerful they really are. Uh, well, that's yeah, that's powerful. I believe in that 100%. So let's talk about your podcast, because you've mentioned it a couple of times during the show that you do have a podcast. Now, I, I've seen YouTube videos on YouTube of you as well. Uh, are they both related? Yeah, it's the same show. So I host it as a live talk show. And it is video and audio. And then I upload it into a podcast. And it is called The Gathering Movement. It is all about amplifying powerful voices <laughs> yet again. <laughs> I've interviewed some really cool people, TEDx speakers, authors, leaders, uh, nonprofit founders, financial people, people from all walks of life that really have the same mission that you and I do to empower people to be the leader of their own life. Yeah, that's amazing. It is, you know, it. I've watched your, your YouTube videos and I am... Uh, a fan because of of those so obviously i've listened to your podcast yeah you have <laughs> so yeah i, I want to double check that I, I should have asked you that in the beginning right um so but i've listened to that so i i love the messages that have come from them and what you do to empower people and i i agree with you it, it's giving people a voice and and it gives the people the opportunity let me let me make sure i correctly correctly put this out what I see in you is what I said in the beginning when I introduced you. The last part of your introduction, I added myself because that's what I saw in what I heard of you and from you in the in the videos and podcasts that I had listened to. So, you know, you have a passion for giving people a voice and moving people forward in a very positive way, inspiring and motivating them. Do you think you've acquired that not only from your parents but from your aunt the one that inspired you to collect that book i'm just smiling because she used to call me a sparkle agent <laughs> <laughs> so yes 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 and you know this is where some i believe in reincarnation because i feel like some of these things were just ingrained in me this want to help people, this this brightness, this light, this this positivity of being able to see beyond the visionary. Right. I do believe it was it was imprinted there in some way um, before I even came here. And yeah, I do believe that my past experiences have allowed me to do this. I do believe that my aunt was one of the biggest inspirations of allowing me to really understand my mission like really understand this mission. It has all come together after she passed. She allowed me to realize how powerful my voice was and how powerful my mission was. It was kind of an awakening. Yes. At that time. Have you experienced losing anybody close to you since then? Hmm. No. No. And prior to that, had you had anybody that you had lost that was that close to you? I had a, a good friend pass away from a heroin overdose when I was in high school, which was challenging. Um, but we had grown apart a little bit. So her death was, it's the death that, that rocked me, but allowed me to, to roll. You know, I, and I have to say this, uh, from an individual that has experienced um, death from, from various perspectives, both personally, personally, um, I mean, I lost my father, my mother, all four grandparents, uh, three uncles to cancer, uh, uh, no, excuse me, two uncles to cancer, three cousins to cancer, 
uh, my stepfather to cancer. It it's a and, and through my career in law enforcement, you know, with a lot, dealing a lot with death, either homicide or unattended death or accidental overdose or suicide or of violence. Um, you know, people handle death in a very bizarre way sometimes. And, and I don't mean that in a negative uh, as being, you know, um, abusive to, to their experience. It, they don't always know how to handle death. They don't always know how to handle how to move forward, what the grieving process is, or what to, to do with that. And you've obviously taken an opportunity with your experience to create something that allows for motivation and inspiration and moving forward in a very positive way. And you've done that with that experience and that one experience. So that in itself is profound. So I have to say that to you because I, I feel that you are given a gift by your aunt that allowed you to, to make something very positive out of it instead of a negative out of it. Which which could very well have been you could have you could have stayed in a grieving process for years and and not really done anything with that but instead you chose to do this which is what you bring to the world opens doors and opens minds and opens hearts mm. so you know thank you for that I, I I appreciate that thank you so if somebody wanted to be part of your live interview how how did they get involved. They would like to be one of the next guests on the gathering movement. They can go to my website, www.bridgetelene.com slash the dash gathering dash M V M T. I haven't had to spell it out in a while. <laughs> I'll have it in the show notes for you to make it easy for everybody. It's good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and they can find you on, they can find you there. They can also find you on YouTube. Correct. And they can find you on uh, most platforms like Apple and Spotify and so forth. And the name of that, again, is? The Gathering Movement, and it is M-V-M-T. And you have, you're also on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, everyone can find me on Instagram. It's at Blissful Bridget. And on Facebook, it is just my name, Bridget Eileen Cisco. I, I'm going to ask you two questions before we leave. Okay. One of them may intertwine with the last one. Okay, but keep in mind the, the last one. We'll see. Okay. Do you have any advice for others that are going through the same journey that you went through? Mm. Mm. Allow yourself to feel the entire spectrum of human emotions. There will be grief, there will be sadness, there will be joy, there will be happiness. You will experience it all. So allow yourself to ride the wave. Don't let the wave ride you. And once you're ready, you can deepen into the experience and the lessons and the values that this person and this experience taught you. Outstanding. Now, here's the good one. <laughs> this is one more thing before you go. So is there anything that you want to say, any words of wisdom that you want to share? Hmm. I just want people to realize and remember, not even realize, remember, because I truly do believe that we are born as these sovereign, love-filled individuals. So I just want everyone to remember that they are powerful, that they have the answers inside them. They have so many gifts. They are beautiful. They are so, so loved. And even in any moment when it doesn't feel like that's the truth, just always know that you are being guided even when it doesn't feel like it. And you are loved.
Those are amazing, profound words of wisdom. Thank you. Bridget, thank you very much for sharing your journey and your experience that you've had and what you do for the world. I really appreciate you taking us with you on that journey today. And uh, I look forward to having a future conversation with you. We'll have to have you on my show. We'd love to. <laughs> Thank you, Michael, for everything. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story. Share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.